It is good. It is good. All right. Uh, it looks like the coffee's good and the fellowship's even better. All right. As you're finding a seat this morning, I want to invite all the young adults to our young adults meeting tonight at Axiom Coffee. We're having a great time on Sunday evenings. That starts at 6 o'clock. You can get there a little bit early. And uh, all the good stuff that goes into that. I am so glad that you're here this morning. And as you've been uh, living life this week, I hope that you've put some thought to some of the things that we've been talking about on Sunday morning. And the series of sermons that we've been going through is Start Here. Uh, we, we've talked about different subjects, but really, in a nutshell, this series is everything has a starting point. And even our faith. This morning, as we continue in this series uh, for the next few weeks, you know, it's different when you come to know Jesus Christ as an adult than when you do as a child. A lot of times as a child, we, we go to a church service or a Sunday school class or maybe a vacation Bible school. Maybe somebody brought you on the bus and to a church, a bus ministry. And, you know, the, the children's worker will just explain the love of God. And in that love of God, as a child, you accepted Him. And by faith, you put your faith in Him. Even though we know that faith is something that we're sure of, even though we do not see as a child, the Bible says that's the way to come to Jesus. But as we get older, and some people have never heard the story of God and, and Jesus and His love for us, and so that as an adult, it's a different starting point. A lot of people say, you know, Pastor, just on the basis of the Bible says, that's just not good enough for me. And sometimes as a believer, as a Christian, we kind of get all bent out of shape and we go, why don't you just believe? It's different as an adult. So as we've been going through this series of, again, just in a, in a very practical way of looking at through the eyes of a person that as an adult that has not yet put their faith in Christ. And maybe this morning that maybe you said, well, you know, maybe I've done that as a child, but I, I've kind of really never got the whole, the whole faith thing. And sometimes that will lead maybe not to frustration, but it'll lead to a point in your life where you'll just say, I just can't put my passion into my faith. We all have a belief system if we know it or not, but it. the question is, is it in God? Uh, you know, last week we talked about rules and, and a lot of people get all caught up as an adult on commandments and things and, and some people believe that the Bible is just a, a book of no, 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 no. Well, let me tell you, I, I explained last week that any time that there are rules or regulations that it assumes that you're in relationship with somebody. And, and last week we talked about how a lot of times we, we kind of try to understand it and we get out of whack. We try to believe that a church is kind of like a club. you got to kind of sign the rule book and say, okay, I'll follow these requirements before I join. Versus the family model, and, and we talked about how the rules in a family are given because you're part of the family already. This week, I want to talk about a subject that is so simple, but at the same time, it is the basis of our, our faith, our belief system. 
And, and sometimes as an adult, we look back on our lives and we say, you know, kind of like the computer button. Anybody know computers? All you have to do is know computers to know there's a undo button. Oh my goodness. How, can I just see your hand if you've ever used the undo button? I have. And this morning, I just kind of want to use that as kind of a reset because some of you that are here this morning as an adult have put your faith in God, but there's something that has gotten in the way and you look back and you're kind of like, you know what, I just don't know where I'm at with God. The title of my message is Reset. And as we talk about starting, maybe it's some of us need to think about just starting over in a fresh look at it that you haven't seen before. There's six words that all of us at one time in our adult life will come to. And those six words are simple. And it is, what can wash away my sins? Depending on how long that you've been in church, I can pretty much guess that you've heard that phrase before. And this morning as we kind of wrestle, you know what I mean by wrestle? Wrestle the subject kind of to the ground and, and try to kind of get a, a, a pin on it, kind of a, a grasp on it. As a, as a child, we, we come to the place that we know that our, we, we have sins in our life. You know, but they're, they're, and I know that the Bible says in, in James that if, if you've sinned, you, you've broken one law, you've broken them all, you're a, a lawbreaker. That's why we do need grace. We'll talk about that next week. But th- this week, I want, I want you to see something. Because as a child, somebody says, you know, yeah, I sinned. And maybe they, they asked for forgiveness because they went into their sister's room, you know, and they shouldn't have. And Mom says, did, did you go into your sister's room again like I told you not to? Yeah, I, I did. And because you disobeyed your parents, you, you know that you've, you've wronged. And, and maybe, you know, I, I remember as a child that, you know, I, I went to a grocery store and anybody know what pocket candy is? You know, those individually wrapped peppermints or, you know, all that. The, the grocery stores, they, they just had it out there on display for little John. They said, come take one. Take a couple. I remember little John, how I went up to the the counter there and they had all those beautiful lemon drops and peppermints and all those that and and I remember just putting a few in my pocket and thinking, wow. I remember the the same day at the same hour as we were checking out my mother being who my mother is and I'm being who I am, she looked and said, wait just a minute. She knew I didn't have any money. She knew that I was with her practically the whole time. She said, did did you take that candy? Now, I I could, I realized that I'd already sinned in stealing something, but I could have quickly said, Oh, I didn't do that. Which would have been my second sin in lying. I said, yes, I I did. And and I remember the walk of shame as we went back into the grocery store and found the manager 
so that I could confess in front of him that I had taken this. But there, there's something about all that that we know that when we're young and all those things that were sins, but it, does it not seem like as we get older that the sins get larger? Because I, I think just because really we, we know what we're doing before we do it. And maybe we've already done it before, but we continue to do it. And there, there's something that continually knocks on our door and says, you don't need to do that. We do it anyway. We get larger. Instead of going into our sister's room, maybe we went into somebody else's room. And we shouldn't have been there. We, we looked on that web page and we knew that it was wrong, but we, we stayed there. Maybe it was a business deal that we knew wasn't ethical, but really it wasn't moral, and we shouldn't have been on that. But we just decided to go ahead and stay there and do that. Some people go to college, and when you ask about their college days, they go, I, I just I, I just want to say, I just went to college. That's all. I don't even want to go back there in my mind. I made so many mistakes and sins in my life. Sometimes somebody will say, hey, why don't we go on a trip to here? No, <laughs> I don't need that, that word. That city brings a buzzword to me and it recall, I recall stuff that I did. I, let's not go there. Just can't. Maybe you see somebody's face on Facebook and it brings back a memory of a relationship. You say, oh my goodness. And there's always that week that you wish you could have back or that, that time period or that season in your life or, or that action or that behavior. You go, man, I, I just... I just, just, I don't even want to think about it. As an adult, those events start lining up. And what I found out with most people is if they get to that place, they, they will begin to allow that to come into their identity and, and they're just the mess up. They're never feeling like they're ever going to get to the place where they could be something better than what they were because of just the beatdown of the constant, constant feeling of, man, why did I do that? This morning, if you're here and you've ever been through that, where you go, you know what? I owe it to myself just, just to try to forgive myself and I need to forgive. I, I know that I need it. I, I just, I, I just, I know. And we, we, we try to kind of soften the blow and we begin to say, you know, stuff like, you know, I, I'm part of humanity and ready for this one. Maybe you've heard it. Maybe you said it. I'm not perfect. We come up with Bang, 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 bullet points where we say, you know, I was I was young. I, I was drunk. I was angry. I was lonely. I was broke. I, I didn't even know any better. And somehow that begins to try to soften that event or behavior in our life. We talked about a few weeks ago where we'll even put another title on it and it's called The Mistaker. I'm just a mistaker. I'm not a sinner. And somehow that, again, begins to play on our minds that it's okay. It, 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 it kind of softens it a little bit and it makes us feel a little bit better. It gets, though, going and, and we begin to say, you know, I, I just feel like I'm in debt. I feel like I'm in debt to my, I, I, my first marriage and I, I just 
I messed up and, and I, I owe it to my children and, and I just owe it to my, you know, that boss that I was evil to. Whatever it might be. And if you're not careful, those people will wade into kind of like almost a, a pond of just gook and, and scum and, and, and they'll just kind of come and they get helpless and they think, I can't do anything. And they get even a little bit further into it and they realize that as the deeper and deeper they get, it, it turns into something called hopelessness. And because of their actions, because of what they did and what they said and what they, what they, 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 they did, all of a sudden they, they get to the place where they just want to scream, is there anything? And then the question comes, what can wash away my sins? Is there anything? This morning we're talking about an adult starting point. We're not talking about stealing candy. So I'm not going to get into just some light question and some easy answer. We're adults. And if just in the next few minutes, if you'll give me your attention and maybe just for a minute, put down your phone. It'll be there in a minute when you get done. And if you'll just kind of focus on this, I know this is hard. And if you're going through it, there's something about can can I get distracted? Can I can I go over here? Can I do this? Can I think about what's coming this afternoon? But just in a few minutes that we have together, let's wrestle this subject to the ground. At the end of the service, we're going to take the Lord's Supper and share that together this morning. Do you, do you know the subject? What can wash away my sin? is in every religious belief system in the world. Almost, I don't know any of them that doesn't have a solution or try to give a solution to that question to relieve the guilt and the shame off of a person. But do you know if you go back from the beginning of time until now that there's only one person that showed up on the scene and didn't say, he said this, not only do I have the solution, but I'm the solution. As people that live in this century, we go, yeah, I've heard that before, and that, that's what I believe. But can you imagine if somebody showed up today? Now again, we're, we're not talking about a new Christ, but we're just talking about putting yourself in those people's shoes as they heard somebody show up on the scene and say, I'm the answer to the question, what can wash away my sins? Now, if you're like me and you're like, most of the people that time period, when they're first hearing that, you have to come up with the understanding that either this guy that's saying it is crazy. Woohoo! <laughs> Lunatic. You know what that means? He howls at the moon at night. He's crazy. Or that he's just telling a lie. Trying to get a following. Or maybe... Come on now. Come on. Maybe he's telling the truth. And we should listen to what he has to say. Either he's a liar, a lunatic, or could he be Lord? Could he, could he actually be the answer to the question, what can wash away my sins? This morning, if you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospels. We're going to talk about Mark, and then we're going to talk about the Gospel of John. But but this morning, we'll start in Mark chapter 1. 
there's a man there, and he's not the disciple John, but he's called John the Baptist. The reason he's called John the Baptist is because he isn't a Presbyterian or he'd be John the Presbyterian. I'm just kidding. See if you guys are awake. See how smart you guys are? John the Baptist, because actually he's baptizing. He's baptizing people and he's so far out into the wilderness, he's by the Jordan River. Now, I want you to see this because this is kind of cool history. This is a guy that is in, you know, like animal clothes and he's kind of, he's kind of that edgy kind of guy. And he's out there and he's doing something that really isn't customary. And if you don't know the tradition, a person actually baptizes himself. But now John comes on the scene, John the Baptist, and he's baptizing people. He's doing it 40 miles from the Jerusalem area. Just to give you an idea, it is about like walking from here to the courthouse in Dallas. If you had a a jet pack... (laughs) It'd be about 20 miles, but if you walked, it'd be about 40 miles. This this is a journey that you don't just go, hey, you want to take a picnic and walk to the Jordan River? This was an all-day walk, hard walk. It was a dangerous walk. There were so many excuses why you shouldn't take this walk, but it was an all-day walk. You would get there, start at sunup, and end at sundown, and get there, and 40 miles later, you will arrive on the scene where John is baptizing. Now, this morning I want you to see this because in Mark chapter 1, verse 4, it says, And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now watch this next phrase. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Now, what we're talking about today, come on, if it is true that this is not an exaggeration, and sometimes, you know, you you have to understand that in the context, he's saying, man, it, it possibly, he could have said, it looks like the whole Judean population is here. Did you ever say that? Come on, mom, everybody's going, come on. And she goes, no, they're not. The president won't be there. And in the book of Mark, we believe that he was getting all the information from the Apostle Peter. So if that's true, listen, that this was something that was a need in their life, just like it's a need in our life of confessing of our sins to to feeling that that, can anything, is there anybody, can I do anything to wash away my sins? And all these people would go out there and they'd wait in line until John baptize them of their sins. If you don't know John the Baptist, John the Baptist is not, I repeat, not a seeker-sensitive preacher. You're awful. You're worthless. Now repent. Okay, be baptized. And and he would go on and on and he would preach this repentance and people would come. Just you know, a lot of times people, even today, that there's something about shame and guilt and it's almost like a religious feeling. huh? You just feel bad. Man, I got out of that service. They beat me up so bad and I feel good. Did, did you do anything about it? No, I'm going to go home and do whatever I want. But boy, did I feel bad during that message. Boy, he kicked me around all the way. 
and, and, and people were coming and coming and they were so, they were like, man, what is this guy? He's a, he's got all this following and I'm sure the whole area was full of people and this is just conjecture, but you know, usually a river has banks of the river and I'm just seeing people all the way around the river that are listening to his sermon and then he takes time to baptize the people that have come and they're standing in line and they go, me, I'm next, I'm next. Hey, get behind me, I'm next. I came early. And the Bible says that they begin to be inquisitive. They, they begin to say, John, who are you? And he gives this answer, and they go, No, 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 no. Are you, are you, come on, John, are you the Messiah? Are you the one that we've been waiting on and hearing about? We haven't seen anything for hundreds of years where God loves us, but are you the Messiah? Now, look what he says, because I could. I could kind of paraphrase this, but I want you to see in John chapter 1, verse 26. It says, I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. Almost like he could be right here with us. You don't know him. He is the one who comes after me in the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. It's almost like they're going, are you? What now? What just meant? Now I, I'm next in line, and, and he says, "Hey, hey, there's somebody coming that you think that I've got, you know, all this rock star status, and I've got all these people that are following me and coming out to me and sacrificing to come all the way out here to just hear what I've got to say." No, I'm not the Messiah, but the Messiah is here, right with us, and you don't even know him. He's so great that I, what you think about me is little bitty beans compared to who this is. And it says in verse 29, this is the very next day after these, this is when right, and then John goes, look! Look what it says. The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You know, and, and here he says, look, the Lamb. And I'm wondering if people are looking around going, Where's the lamp? Where's the lamp? You're so literal. Come on, work with me. That's not bad for a lot of us, but but what John the Baptist is saying is, look, here's the lamb that God has sent for us. Now watch this. This is why sometimes we get lost in our culture of what we've heard and what we've read and what we believe. Is This is a group of people, the, the Jewish people that are there on that day and they're, they're listening to John the Baptist and he says, look, and the King James goes, behold, the Lamb of the world who takes away the sins of the world. Think about this. For generations, actually about 1,500 years, the law was that if you had sinned, you had to take the life of a lamb and the blood of that lamb would be the forgiveness of your sins. Something had to die and blood had to be shed for the wrongdoing. Now for 1,500 years, they owned something that was going to cost them something to be able to be forgiven of their sins, to wash their sins away. But I have to believe that they're smart people and they're saying, you know, how in the world does this all work? It's a great system and it's part of our belief system but how could a shedding of the blood of an animal cover the sins that I've committed? 
Have you ever wondered that? And he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Actually, He's the Lamb who lifts up and carries off the sin of the world. Who lifts up and carries off the sin of the world. Can you repeat that with me this morning? Who lifts up and carries off the sins of the world. Who lifts up, say it again, who lifts up and carries off the sins of the world. Talk about revolutionary. To think that, what are you saying, John? You, you look the part of a cuckoo. You know what I mean? So so what are you saying with this, this guy that's going to come? And, and we know him. That's Jesus. John the Baptist is saying, he's the Lamb of God. He's the Lamb who God has given us to lift up and to carry off the sins of the world. Who lifts up and carries off the sins of the Jewish people, the Americans, the Europeans, the Romans, the sins of the world. Who lifts up and carries off the sins of the world. Jesus would start His ministry and all through His ministry just leave little, I mean, kind of almost like little breadcrumbs. And, and, and He would say things that people later when He dies will look back on and it would just be so perfect that they couldn't get their minds around that He was the Lamb of the world that would come and lift up and carry off the sins of the world. They, they just couldn't get their mind around that until He's dead. This morning, I want you to see this. Because right after his life, or I'm saying right after his ministry, and, and we, we talked about a few weeks ago about the Passover and, and how that all looked. We, we saw how the Passover took place and, and, and God said, would you trust me to his people in Egypt? Right before they were rescued out of slavery and bondage. And, and the word came through Moses that on this day to take the blood of a lamb, and take the blood and put it over the doorpost of your house. By doing that, you will symbolize that you're my children. And the death angel will pass over. So for all these generations, people were celebrating Passover. It was one of the most, if not the number one festival and celebration of God delivering His people. So you've got to remember that grandson after grandson after grandson after grandson after grandson after grandson after grandson of all these people that have celebrated Passover, now the day comes that Jesus walks on the earth and He's walking around and He goes, we're going to go to Jerusalem and celebrate the Passover. And really He says, it'll be my last Passover. And disciples, as we sit around this table and we have you know, the Lord's Supper as we see it, we, we see it as uh, maybe a painting and all the disciples are around the table and they're about ready to eat their the Last Supper. They, they, they don't get it. 
But Jesus says, from now on, watch this. Come on, come on. From now on, this will be different. From now on, we're going to celebrate me. This bread will be my body and this blood, this wine will be my blood. And every time you do it, you're going to be remembering what I did on the cross that I'm going to go to in a few minutes. Now now watch this. The guys that are around the table, at the very least, should have got up and walked out. What is? Can you imagine if I said in a few months when we're getting closer to Christmas, from now on, guys, we're not going to celebrate Christmas. We're going to celebrate Johnny's birthday. That's right. It's Johnny-mas. You'd be like, what? What just meant? Are you crazy? Here's Jesus and He's saying, we're not going to celebrate Passover like you've done for years and generations. Your grandfathers and your grandfathers. We're going to do something different. Because I'm going to give a new covenant, a new testament. Because of what I'm doing right now. Now watch this. Those disciples could have said, you know what? Are we leaving? This guy is crazy. And it just me. I'm not leaving. Did you see him walk on water? He heals people. Demonics run when he comes around. I'm not leaving. I want to stay and watch because I think that he has something here. But, but I want you to see this, that just in a few hours after the Last Supper, as we say it, all those grown men will run and desert Jesus because of the fear of what will come on them. The night that He was crucified, a brand new covenant, a brand new agreement came into existence because of the blood of the Lamb. Now, I want you to see this as we're talking about a starting point of an adult. It is so amazing how the Word of God lines up and how it all comes consistent. Do you know that the blood of a lamb was slain? The blood was a forgiveness of sin. If you look at the way that He was crucified, crucifixion was a death unto suffocation. What they would do, the Romans would nail the hands to the cross and the feet together and they would put enough pressure on the lungs that when the person was tired and exhausted, finally they would suffocate to death. They would have to push up on their feet and their legs to get a breath and once they were more exhausted than they would desire a breath, they would relax again, which would begin the suffocation. This would take hours and hours and when the Romans got tired of waiting, they would just break their legs so that the the person on the cross could not push themselves up, therefore suffocating to death. But people that were there, there were eyewitnesses to what happened, would write later that when they came to break the legs of Jesus, that He had already died. Ask yourself, how did He die? The wounds of the scourging being beat that many times, they said that he was unrecognizable. The wounds of the thorns in the cross that was put on his head, the wounds 
in his hands and just the wounds of the cross. That the Lamb of the world that came to take away the sins of the world actually died of bleeding out. Because of his blood, the big question that we came today with is what can wash away my sin? See, people always try to find something else. They, they say, can alcohol, and, and maybe it can deaden the pain for a while, but it doesn't wash away your sin. You say, well, maybe money. If I just could fill my life with money, I, wouldn't forget, I would forget about my sins. No, it doesn't. You know, if I could just medicate myself, and, and if I could just have enough painkiller that I wouldn't be pain for the sins that I've committed, maybe that would. No, that wouldn't either. As a starting point to your faith, you have to come up with the decision and make the choice. What can wash away my sins? Jesus says, by His actions on the cross, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This morning, I want to give you an opportunity to just process what I've thought in a time of worship, I'm going to allow the worship team to come back up. And as I say, allow, what I want them to do is as they come, we're going to sing. Then we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. Today, today I want you to make the decision. Do you put your faith in Jesus and the blood that He's given us to wash away our sins? Or is it still something that you're hesitating? And ask yourself, why is it that I hesitate? Why is it that I cannot allow God to be God in my life? As we sing this song, and we sang some songs, and we'll sing some more about the blood of Jesus. And as Christians, sometimes people that are not believers will ask themselves, why do you talk about the morbid subject of blood? And this is why this message today. Because the Lamb of the world, the Lamb of God that has come to lift up and to carry away the sins of the world. By His blood, our sins are forgiven. This morning, would you just stand with me? Maybe this morning you could just kind of close your eyes and just for a minute, just a minute, just in a minute, we're just going to sing and then we're going to have some time with the Lord's Supper and we're going to be thankful for what God has done for us. But just right this second, would you just close your eyes? Would you answer the question that maybe you've asked for a long time? Ask this question, what can wash away my sins? I hope the answer that you've come to know is nothing. Nothing. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You know, it's such good news as we'll talk about next week, is mercy is not getting what you deserve. But grace is not only not getting what you deserve, but getting favor on top of that. 
and to realize that our sin can be washed away, that not only are we not getting what we deserve in going to hell for our sin, but getting grace that we get to go to heaven. Man. This morning it's not hard to be thankful, is it? Of what Jesus did on the cross for us and allowing us to repent of our sin and being washed clean. This morning, the bread that represents the body of Christ This morning, we stand on the New Covenant, the New Testament of what Jesus did. And this morning, in doing that, you are saying, I believe in what Jesus did for me. But would you take the bread that represents the body of Jesus? Thank you, Jesus, for being the Lamb that was slain to take away, to lift up, and to carry away the sins of the world. Jesus, by Your blood, that we can be forgiven. We can be put back into right standing with God. Redeemed. Bought with a price. This morning, let's take the cup that represents the blood of Jesus. I want to give you just a minute. There's somebody here that has said, you know, if I could just forget that. If I could just forget doing that. This morning, I'm asking you to believe that by the blood of Jesus that you are forgiven. That that stuff is in the past. Pastor, it happened last night. It's in the past. It's done. Today is a new day. God didn't say you're forgiven after you did not do it for so many hours, so many days, so many months, so many years. Today you are forgiven of that sin. The question is, will you receive what Jesus did for you? God, thank you. As we pray, God, as we thank You for what You've done. That God, I, I, I pray that these wonderful friends of mine, and, and myself included, that we would not continue to walk in, in not accepting what You did, but accept it fully. And believe in our heart of hearts that we're forgiven and our sin is washed away. God, we thank You for that. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen and amen.